This is Katrin with Disability Rights New York. Welcome to our podcast, Empire State of Rights Closed Captioned. We are here to bring you information on the most relevant topics regarding disability rights and advocacy. Today we have Ann Kelsey, staff attorney at DRNY. She's here to discuss nursing home facility care standards. Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm great, and thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us, and this is a big topic, so could you start by providing us with the official definition of a nursing home facility? Sure. So a nursing home facility um, is a facility, could be standalone or could be attached to a hospital, that's going to be providing 24-hour nursing care and supervision outside the scope of a hospital. So there are typically three kinds of services that are going to be provided. Skilled nursing, hence the the name skilled nursing facility, which is the the most intensive level. So care for someone recovering from a stroke, wound care, um, acute medical conditions, the most serious level uh, of care. The second one, and, and this is a big one also, rehabilitation. So occupational therapy, uh, physical therapy, that kind of care provided sometimes a couple of times a week, sometimes daily to assist a person to recover from um, an injury or illness. The final kind is long-term care. So this is going to be for someone with a a chronic or or permanent physical condition who needs daily care with activities of daily living, which is, uh, for example, bathing, assistance with feeding, assistance with um, dressing, walking, or ambulation, as as they call it, transferring. So that sort of daily hands-on care that a person is going to need um, for a long time. So you just went over the three areas of uh, of why someone may be there, which I think a lot of people have a little a different idea of what a nursing home facility actually is. We think of it in one sense of as someone ages, if they're um, if they need assistance, they're going into a nursing facility. But can you expand a little bit more on when someone is usually admitted into a nursing home facility and talk to us a little bit about that process, how that happens? Typically, someone's going to be admitted to a nursing home facility from a hospital admission. So there's been an injury, uh, someone has fallen, or a a chronic illness that has gotten to the point where, you know, they need hospitalization for it. Um, Like a wound is a good example of that. Or um, for some other reason, you know, they're not being successful in their their apartment or their home. And people tend to think, you know, okay, let's get them to a hospital. From there, once the hospital has stabilized or treated them, the hospital discharge planner is going to start looking at what an appropriate discharge is. And generally for uh, an older person, uh, the the nursing facility is going to be really at the top of their mind. If that happens, the the hospital discharge planner is going to be doing a lot of the the groundwork. There's required assessments. Um, It's called a a PRI, a word you might hear um, if you're going through this process. And um, they can contact the nursing facilities directly. They can kind of take you through that process. But from, from a, a patient perspective, that's a good time, or a, a family perspective, that's a good time to really think, do I need a nursing facility? Are these services um, available in the home? And oftentimes they are. Things like occupational therapy, physical therapy can be provided um, in the home or on an outpatient basis. 
there's homemades can come for up to 24 hours a day and provide that activities of daily living. So there's options, you know, for example, if, if I were in a hospital with a, with a broken leg, the hospital discharge planner wouldn't think, oh, we're going to send her to a nursing facility. And it should be the same for an older person. The, the home and community-based services um, should really be explored to determine, you know, whether a nursing home is really the right spot for you. So the discharge plan is really a conversation not only with the patient, but also with the family and or caregivers that may be outside of the family to really have a successful transition for the patient, really, um, to either decide to go to a nursing home or if the option is available at home to do that. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, really, it's the, the patient's decision. You can't be forced into a nursing home. If you have capacity to make decisions, the decision of where you go is yours. And so that's some, a question we get a lot. You know, can my, uh, can my insurance plan force me into a nursing home or can my loved one force me into a nursing home? And the answer is no, assuming you have capacity to make decisions. And of course, that's a whole nother potential argument. But, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to stand up for your rights and and really, you know, think through what the best choice for you is. I do think that that's a a big question and concern out there is the idea of involuntary transition to uh, to a resident, you know, nursing facility that someone may not want to go to. And we talked a little bit about diminished capacity, but is that something that is worked out through the family or does that go through a different process? So that's a good question. Sometimes it is worked out with the family and worked out can mean different things, you know, like we've finally bullied somebody into submission or, um, you know, we've really had a talk about, you know, what you need and, and what you're able to get in the community is not meeting your needs or, or whether, you know, the plan for the nursing facility to be a temporary stay for rehab. And that's very common, you know, that you go in for a, a couple weeks, uh, even a couple months, and then are, you know, able to be discharged once your, your wound is healed. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to scare people, but, um, you know, it is, again, something to talk about. But um, as you mentioned, there is, you know, a, a more official kind of regulatory um, path that could be taken if capacity is in doubt. And, you know, the, that could be there's a hospital ethics board. The doctor can make decisions or, you know, into the guardianship path. Um, and so I think that's, you know, a whole nother topic for discussion. But um, I think you're right to, to ask and it can really be resolved in, in a various number of ways. Agreed. This the subject matter itself has so many different facets and each one of them is a much larger issue. So thank you for just touching on it. And so as we're thinking about this as if it were, you know, we're talking about a patient in process, we're talking about the patient's rights to actually make the decision. If they're if the decision is that they're going to go into a nursing facility, what are their patient the patient rights after that fact? There are many. So the uh, I'm going to lawyer you for a second. So it's the Nursing Home Reform Act of 1987, and there's regulations that follow it, including some recent regulations. So that's from a federal level, and that's you know where you go if you really want to get that specific language about what what a patient's rights are. 
a better tool, I think, for, for an introduction is um, called the New York uh, Nursing Home Residence Bill of Rights. And that's a, a document in plain language that kind of goes through the various aspects. But I'll, I'll highlight a couple. The first is patient autonomy. As we've you know, been talking about, the, the patient's rights to make decisions, to be informed of the care he or she is receiving, to you know, make decisions about his or her schedule, those rights all continue once someone is admitted to a nursing home. That that you know, doesn't change. So a couple other things, um, communication rights. So if you are a person whose primary language is not English, um, you have the right to be provided interpreters for discussions with the doctor about your prognosis um, or about any treatment decisions. Now, obviously, that's not enough, right? Because you would be, you know, isolated for the rest of your daily activities. And so, you know, that's certainly an area of concern for us as advocates. But at least at these critical medical decisions, have the right to be provided the interpreter to understand what is going on. Care planning is a big one. And care planning is closely tied to discharge planning. So as, as soon as you are um, admitted to a nursing home, the nursing home should uh, assess you and put together a care plan within seven days, I believe. And as part of that discharge planning, it should be talked about. So right from the very start, discharge planning should be part of a care plan. Um, you know, what, what does this person need to return to the community? What are this person's goals to return to the community? So, you know, again, from, from day one, the discharge planning should be there. Another big question we get, uh, visitation rights. So you absolutely have rights to visitors, but it is, there are some limits here. So it's not, you know, any visitor, anytime you want. The facility is able to limit it to um, if, if there's some disturbance, if the visitor is disturbing other residents, causing a, a ruckus, if you have a roommate, there can be some limits there. So that's really um, a discussion to have, I, I think, if there are, um, you know, if you have concerns about your visitors. And of course, on the other side, you can't be forced to have visitors. So if you don't want people to, to visit you, that's fine too. I mean, you can enforce that. So, you know, a little more gray of a right there, but, you know, definitely worth advocating for if you have concerns about that. That's a couple of the highlights we see. I don't know if you have any questions about any of that. No, I think it is such a large um area of what patient rights are. And there are many more and there's much more we could go into. But I think for us to have the link to the original Bill of Rights that we talked about, I think people, if they have other questions, certainly they could call DRNY and and ask for some assistance in that area. Would it be correct to say that a patient or a family member of a patient, patient, if they're seeing things that are of concern to them, can they call DRNY? Can they let them know what's going on? Is this a way that they can facilitate a monitoring visit? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big concern for us. New York has the biggest population of people in nursing homes in the country and the biggest population of children in nursing homes um, in the country, if you can believe it. So it's really a concern um, for us that if people are in nursing homes, that they're getting the highest level of care. And if they want to be returned to the community, that discharge planning is happening rapidly and effectively to return them to their community. So absolutely. 
but we're not the only resource. Every nursing home or nursing home area um, is going to have a what's called a long-term care ombudsman assigned. That's a, a statewide program, and the ombudsman can you know meet with the resident, can talk to them about their rights, can connect them to other resources, can help communicate with the administration. So that's always a good option. You can always report complaints to the Department of Health and. You know, you don't always necessarily get the response that you might want, or it can be slow, but there's real value in in reporting to the state to make a record of what's going on. And for someone who is, or a family member, you know, overwhelmed by what's going on, that can be a hard sell, but we really do recommend kind of making a record with the state about any issues. There is Opening Doors, which is another statewide program to assist nursing home residents with discharge to the community. And they have peer support and can connect folks to resources and really take them through the discharge process, connecting them to housing options. So, you know, please call us, but also know that you're not alone um, out there and there's definitely a variety of, of resources out there. That's a lot of great information on additional resources. And we will list those at the end of this podcast in case people need to find them on their own. And so we just talked about some violations that we we might observe. Can you give us an example of a couple of violations that maybe we have observed in the past and how are they resolved? So one thing just to, to sort of clarify. So every, um, every nursing home is going to be uh, inspected by the state. And that's really where kind of enforcement of these rules should come from. It should, uh, they have a very detailed list of every regulation that they go through. Violations are ranked by severity and um, how widespread they are. And the state's, you know, able to to punish punish them, I guess, to, to sort of put in a plan of change to kind of address these issues. So, but when we're there, what we're looking for is our residents kind of getting what they're entitled to in terms of their, their care planning, their PTOT. Um, and really often what we're looking for is discharge planning process. And we see a lot of violations there, not only from the nursing home side, but from the state's responsibility to, to do their part of the discharge planning process in terms of identifying people who have, for example, mental health or developmental disabilities. Um, There's some specific requirements there, but also any other services people might be entitled to. So discharge planning. Another one is dementia care and psychotropic medication. So psychotropic medication um, is not prescribed and not appropriate for people with dementia, but it's often prescribed to control behavior. So people with dementia have lost the ability to really reason and understand, and that can lead to behaviors that are frustrating for a caregiver, vocalization, wandering, shout, you know, shouting, that kind of thing, but are really reflective um, often of either their ways to communicate some sort of, you know, their maybe a pain or um, some sort of health condition. It's their way of sort of reasoning through the world. And the way to do that is to really kind of address the the dementia and there's protocols and ways to do that that are not drugging someone. And so a person has the right to be free of unnecessary drugs. Psychotropic medication has to be reviewed and reported. 
So, you know, that's something that is all too common, this overuse of drugs to deal with sort of dementia-related behavior that we see. And that's so much great information. Thank you for sharing it with us. And before we sign off, is there anything else you would like to talk about regarding this subject? New York has a ton of people in nursing facilities, and they have the right to a high standard of care. They have the right to be in the community with the appropriate support services if that's where they want to be. Um, And and we're here to to help with that. So I hope that people give us a call if there are issues. And, you know, we can't help with everything, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) We're we're only human, but um, we can give referrals where appropriate and do monitoring or take on cases where appropriate as well. So, um, So we're here for you. And thank you so much for your time today. It has been wonderful speaking with you. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Empire State of Rights closed captioned has been brought to you by Disability Rights New York, your source for disability rights and advocacy. If you enjoyed our program, make sure to subscribe, like, and share this post. If there is a subject you would like us to discuss, please email podcast at drny.org or comment below. Tune in next Wednesday, where we'll bring you more information on disability rights in the state of New York. The closed captioned version of this podcast is available on our YouTube channel. To listen to more Empire State of Rights closed captioned, follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.